Hi there, and welcome to the Positive Talk Podcast. Your hosts, Julie and Chuck, are pretty excited about Season 4 and encourage you to settle in, take a deep breath, and enjoy this week's episode while they merge faith and psychology with a twist of encouragement. So, welcome again to the Positive Talk Podcast. Here are your hosts, Julie Homrich and Chuck Allen. Hey, everybody. It's a great day to find an encouraging and positive word here at the Positive Talk Podcast. And thanks so much for that introduction. Today, Julie and I will be talking about what steps to take when you are utterly overwhelmed. Yes. When everything just feels like too much and you can't see the next step. And I mean, let's face it. We we know people that are dealing with this right now. Yeah. Lots of people. And this topic probably came up because my past two weeks, I've been here. We all go through those seasons, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I here's what I do know, that if you are feeling buried underneath maybe an avalanche of tasks, responsibilities, and commitments, or if you wake up in the morning and have this sense of dread and anxiety about managing everything that's on your plate, overwhelm can be crippling and it can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when you called me to check on me the other day, mm-hmm. um, it, one, it was really nice to have a friend, you know, to come and check on me. It was nice that my wife was like, you know, babe, are you okay? Mm. You know, and to, to work through that's, that's helpful. And we'll talk about that in a yeah. minute. But the most important thing is like, recognize it's not a life sentence. Right, right. It's just the quote I like to use is it's just a chapter, yeah. not your whole story. But yeah. when we're in it, it feels like there's no way out. And it yeah. Feels like you know, I like story. when it comes to novels, I like to read James Patterson novels. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I do is that he's the master of writing short chapters. Yes. You know, it's like, ooh, I feel good because I read 50 chapters. You when feel really, accomplished. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what, what's great about that is to give it this thought that I may be in a chapter, but it, it's more than likely a short chapter. Mm-hmm. And I think part of what we want to do is today embrace the fact that there is no shame involved in feeling overwhelmed. Right. But there is no need in remaining overwhelmed. Right. It doesn't have to be something that we can't get out of. Exactly. So uh, Julie has several things laid out today that we'll just chat through about how do we regain control over our time, energy, and focus in this week's Positive Talk podcast. So whether you're a busy professional that might be juggling multiple projects or a stay-at-home parent trying to keep up with the household, these tips I trust will help take you back and grab the reins of your life again and mm-hmm. feel the sense that I'm empowered yeah. to move beyond this into a, a, a more peace-filled, purpose-filled daily life. So grab a cup of coffee or tea and uh, sit down and let's have a chat and get started. Yes. So, you know, Chuck, I think the first step to handling overwhelm is just to begin to simplify the next right step, right? I think when we're in a state of just feeling completely buried, um, it's hard to see what's next, right? Because the essence of being overwhelmed is that there's so much going on, piled so on, true. right? Mentally, yeah. emotionally, relationally, occupationally. Yep. Um, so much that we don't even know where to start. Yeah. And yeah. this can lead to a sense of feeling paralyzed mm-hmm. or just continuing on with life in sort of this state of numbness until maybe something jolts us back into the severity of our reality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I find myself, like again, recently mm-hmm. uh, feeling this sense of being completely overwhelmed and coming to grips with this big thought that you just threw out there, which is, wait a minute, I, I'm not really responsible right now 
for 80 things that are going on in my head, I'm responsible right now. What is the next best thing to do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I know that this is true in my life, that a common cause of overwhelm is attempting to do too many things. And here's the key phrase at the same time. Yeah. Well, I say to people, you know, people are like, you can't have it all. And I'm like, well, God willing, you can't have it all, but you can't have it all at once. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. It's just not, you know, it's going to be different seasons for different things. So do you see this in your office? Because this is, I think everybody sees their overwhelm uniquely, mm-hmm. which is which is true. I mean, we all deal with it. We we receive it. We have different nervous systems. There are some systems. common themes yeah. that mm-hmm. I found. Like in my case, uh, overwhelm is often based on commitments that I've made, mm-hmm. and I mean them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I fully intend to fulfill those commitments, mm-hmm. and then one day you stop and realize, wait a minute, I've got fourteen people who are counting on me to fulfill these commitments. Mm -hmm. And I simply cannot do that. Yeah. And then I have this freeze mechanism Mm -hmm. that's like, oh, crap, Chuck, you you literally can't fulfill all this. Right. Well, that's yet. (laughs) Yet. Right. Not right now. Or maybe it's a it's a a process of kind of sorting through what is your fulfillment right now. What's for later? You use the term parking lot. You know, what do you put in the parking lot? Um, so I think there are a few steps, though, that we can kind of utilize to move so through overwhelm. Ma- maybe we ought to walk through those steps because, again, while everybody's uh, everybody's overwhelm is unique, mm-hmm. but here's what I fear about things when we talk about like overwhelm, anxiety, stress, depression, depression et cetera. Yeah. What I fear is that we'll we will make them we'll, we'll make ourselves believe that our experience is so unique mm. that nobody else's experience might could help me. Yeah. Like when when I really get deep, you know, in the weeds of overwhelm, mm-hmm. I can convince myself that nobody else's overwhelm is quite like this. Yeah. So that nobody could actually help me. Mm-hmm. And then the thought is, okay, do I just power through it? Which my experience has been like multiple times it never works. Yeah. Well, I think because if we were to believe that somebody could help us, that does require a little bit of a risk. Yeah. And when you're overwhelmed, you don't really have a lot of capacity to take risks, right? But if you can just start with this first thing, Mm -hmm. um, it will empower you to have the energy to be able to move through overwhelm. And that very first thing is to enlist supporters. Okay. 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 I just want to stop right here because I'll guarantee you Julie, there are listeners or viewers out there right now who are thinking, I have nobody. Yeah. No one that I trust. Nobody could understand. Um, I've tried this before and it hasn't worked. People are counting on me. All of those things will come up when as a knee jerk reaction. And I do think this is universal. Mm -hmm. Like if believing there are like I don't know, a plethora of varying degrees of overwhelm, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, and there's a difference in overwhelm and clinical depression. I know you'll talk about that later, but but let's let's talk about overwhelm. Mm -hmm. I know that in my case, you know what wells up in my soul before anxiety when it Mm -hmm. comes to overwhelm is pride. Mm -hmm. Like everything in me, like the insecurity that wells up inside of me Mm -hmm. is like a, is a prideful thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, Chuck, what, come on, you're better than this. Well, and that is the root of nobody can help me. Is yeah. like, do you really think that you are so different yeah. that, you know, you can't receive? 
or that you actually are the one person on the planet (laughs) that can plow through it. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and you just can't. So this concept of enlisting supporters, if you stopped right there and said, hey, that's not for me, Mm -hmm. this is when I would ask you to lean into this conversation and and just unpack it a little bit for us, Julie. Yeah, suspend the judgment until such a time that you can learn some more. And that's what we're going to do right now. So enlisting supporters is oftentimes the last thing that we do. Yeah. Um, excuse me for some of the reasons that you mentioned, but it really needs to be the first. And Mm -hmm. here's why I always bring the neurological side into this. When we are in a state of overwhelm or in the counseling terms, we might call it being flooded Mm -hmm. or activated or even depressed. We are often not seeing things as clearly as we normally would, right? So our limbic system, which controls our emotions, it's working overtime to process those um, emotional responses that we're having. And we're carrying that that logical part of our brain, it's not as active Mm. in that moment, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Our amygdala, we've talked about this. This is the fire alarm of the brain saying threat, threat, threat. People need me and I can't, you know, I can't meet their needs, right? Um, Our amygdala is firing alerts that everything is a crisis and that we don't have what it takes to cope, right? So when we look at this from a brain science perspective, MRI scans of people who are in the state of overwhelm and anxiety, it shows that the pathway, because mm-hmm. remember our brain is consists of lots of different pathways, yeah. the pathway between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, which mm-hmm. is that logical side right. of the brain, right? So this is important that this pathway works, yeah, right? right? Because yeah. when we're overwhelmed yeah. with emotion, we need to have a strong pathway to Without lead us. Without it, then reason never comes back. It doesn't, yeah. right? But we we see that when we're in a state of overwhelm, there is kind of a decreased connectivity yeah. Yeah. between those two parts of the brain. So we need help, right? Absolutely. We need yeah. somebody else yeah. to be able to kind of outsource our prefrontal cortex, right? And make up the deficit for us. Mm -hmm. We need to receive from other people in that moment because we're not necessarily firing on all cylinders, right? Right. It's not, we're not at our best. Exactly. Um, So even if you just have one or two people in your realm of folks that you can reach out to, do it. (laughs) That's kind of my... uh, So just just kind of a, a quick, you know, just parenthetical statement in here before you, you move on, I would just say, um, in my state of overwhelm over the past few weeks, I really did have a, a, a stretch for a few days where I thought, oh my gosh, Chuck, it, you can't, you can't sustain this. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key that when you realize that this is just not sustainable. Right. Yeah. And th- it is amazing how human you feel mm-hmm. when you, and there's some sense of relief to it. Yeah. Like if I know I can't sustain it, then I know I need to change it. I don't have to keep grasping. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm having this chat with my wife and Jenny's just she's an extraordinary person mm-hmm. and kind of gets, you know, how these cycles in my life keep rolling through. Mm-hmm. And she literally said, you know what? I, I think you ought to just talk to Julie about it. I mean, she gets this. And I'm like, hmm, not sure I want to do that. <laughs> You know, okay. I'm just being honest here, you know, <laughs> because, because, you know, it's one is like, she's, she's got all of her own stuff going on. And, and, and then it hit me. I thought, wait a minute, you're my friend. Uh-huh. And then you called me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is one of the greatest joys and honors 
of a friend to be able to enter into someone's life yes. in that way. If we don't allow people to help us, we are actually hindering them yeah. from expressing their care for us in a yeah. way that is meaningful to them. So, um, you know, one of the things I learned in that, and it does speak specifically to, I, I know you're about to talk about isolation, mm -hmm. but um, when I feel like I am all alone in something, mm -hmm. It is interesting that the brain wants to make me believe that so I mean, like ferociously. Yeah, yeah, it's a self-protective mechanism because again, it takes energy to risk opening up. Yeah, yeah. right, and we feel like we don't have that. Right, right. In the moment. But the fact is, we do have people that care for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if we just take that one tiny step to open up, then they can come in and kind of help restore that that energy yeah. that we need, right? Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Social isolation actually activates the same area in the brain as mm. physical pain. Oh wow! So we were made by God to reach out in our times yeah. of struggle. Yeah. Now, of course, we have autonomy in, and we get to choose who we want to reach out to. We get to choose how much we right. want to say. We get to choose, you know, all of those things. Sure. That's an important element in this. But it is important that we are connected in some way to someone. Agreed. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's easy. It's so easy to feel isolated and overwhelmed when you are facing challenging circumstances, mm -hmm. no matter whether you created them or not. Right. They're, they, I mean, they're real. Right. And the one thing that I, I do know about feeling overwhelmed is that most of us really struggle trying to convey why we're overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And we, it's like, sometimes I'll have clients who come in and they're like, if only I knew why. And I'm like, so what would that provide you? Yeah. Like if you knew the answer, would that change this? And the answer's and no. Usually they're like, oh yeah, no. It's yeah. just it's just something that you know, it's kind of like a block to getting through it. Yeah. If we yeah. always want to know why. And the but the why, it, so I, I think this is interesting. This is non-clinical, of course, it's just experiential. But I can lay the why down much easier when I allow myself not to be isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really know how or why like God has created us to function that way. Mm -hmm. But um, just like I, Jenny and I were talking on my way in for the recording today. And she said, I wish you would just ask Julie, why is it that these cycles happen uh, so irregularly mm -hmm. in your life? And mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, that's probably not what I want to talk about a podcast. And yet here I am on the podcast talking about it. <laughs> okay. um, but I think it came, comes down to this. It mm -hmm. is this overwhelming sense that, um, the more you tend to be a person who wants to help other people, mm -hmm. the more you take on this Superman complex mm -hmm. that you are immune from what bothers other people. Right. And yet, the more you tend to attempt to help other people, you're actually more subject mm -hmm. to this because you're making commitments that mm -hmm. are not sustainable, at least in my case, right. in the attempt to do good. Right. So... I guess what I would say, again, at a very experiential level, mm -hmm. is allow uh, allow your friends the blessing and don't bootleg their blessing right. from able to simply be your friend. Yeah. It is I mean, so it's not like you called me and dropped some therapy on me. I mean, you just you, called no, me as a friend. No, not at all. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I saw this whole culture is saturated with memes now, but I saw this, I guess, meme or something on... Uh, months ago and it was talking about this and it said you know as your friend 
allow me to be there for you. It said, it's yeah. not fair that we get to laugh together, but now you're crying alone. Yeah. Ooh, wow. And it's like, we share in each other's burdens, right? That's so good. We yeah. do both of those things. Yeah. That's so good. So I think the next thing when we're talking about walking through this process mm -hmm. is to identify our priorities. Um, yeah. Remember how I said that yeah. when we're overwhelmed, we think everything is a crisis because it feels that way, yeah, right? Really because our yeah. ability to cope is very yep. limited um, in that moment. So this is partially because our normal coping resources mm -hmm. are diminished or kind of muted. Do you ever feel mm -hmm. that way? Like when Absolutely. things are hard, it's like, I feel like I'm muted. Like normally I have this power and it's just like muted right now. You know, Julie, this is, that, this is a fascinating concept to me. Mm -hmm. Because that is exactly what happens to me. Mm -hmm. I would consider myself a highly productive person. Yes. Right? High capacity. So, so I'm one of those people that I live with lists. Mm -hmm. I live with prioritization. Mm -hmm. But when I am overwhelmed, I've gotten out of that rhythm. Mm -hmm. And I have ceased prioritizing. Because it's just like there's too... And I hear this from people, and I'm guilty of it. There's just too much crap to prioritize. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> right. 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 That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get in the freeze mode. I right? find it easier to <clears throat> put myself in a bit of safe solitude mm -hmm. for a set period of time, like in my case, like 60 minutes, mm -hmm. put my headphones on mm -hmm. and just start making an appropriate list of what is real. Yeah. It is yeah. the most powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And this this list, we can utilize prioritizing within yeah. it, right? You yeah. know, they have, whenever we learn about time management, you know, they talk about the quadrants of like what's mm -hmm. urgent versus important. And you yeah. want to do what's both urgent and important, right. right? But if you're in a state of overwhelm, the most, in, in the urgent and important category, it always starts with making sure that your cup is full enough yeah. to function. That's, That's always right. in there. Yeah. And yeah. I think, Chuck, oftentimes when we're in a state of really being overwhelmed, we feel like we're juggling. The, the visual I have is that we're juggling all these balls in the air, right? Yeah, yeah. right. And we're afraid of dropping them, yep. okay? Yep. And it's in these times, I usually ask my clients to consider visualizing, okay, we are looking as if all of these balls carry the same weight. Mm. Some of them are plastic and some of them are glass, though. Ooh, that's good. Okay. So the plastic ones, they can drop to the floor Let and them they'll, drop. they'll bounce back, yeah. right? Or, you know, they'll roll away and it'll be fine. Usually the plastic ones are temporary and transient things like housework yeah, yeah, or maybe some yeah. occupational duties or extracurriculars, right? Those are yeah, things that can yeah. fall. The glass ones are the balls that we actually want to consider caring for gently, yeah, right? These yeah. are the ones that we, we want to hold. Yeah. Your own mental, emotional, and spiritual health are always the glass ones. Okay, right? that that's worth listening to the podcast just to get that concept. Well, because you can't juggle <laughs> if you mm -hmm. don't have yeah. the ability to do it. And if those glass ones break, then you'll usually just be spending excess time picking up the pieces and the shards of glass. Yeah. And other people may get cut in the process, right? Wow. And that is so stinking true. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I... My doctor, like my MD. Mm -hmm. so Which he, I love his name. Oh, Alan Einstein. Think about that. <laughs> Come on. I mean, like who doesn't want to see a doctor named Einstein, right? Dr. Einstein. So uh, he really is a bright guy. And he, he, is, he says to me all the time, when I go in and I'm sick, and he's like, I can tell you why you're sick. Mm. Oh, really? Yes. When is the last time you did something for you? When mm -hmm. is the last time? You know, Chuck, you're good for nobody. You know, if... Right. And I was like, oh, thank you. That's awesome. I've just paid you a hundred bucks for that. That's awesome. You know, <laughs> however, um, 
it is true about what, whether we juggle plastic mm-hmm. or, or glass. So mm-hmm. I want to give somebody a vi- somebody out there needs to hear this, mm-hmm. whoever they are, and it might be multiples. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So uh, in my spirit of overwhelm over the past few weeks, mm-hmm. I took some of this advice and yesterday afternoon left the office for a while, put my headphones on, mm-hmm. took an 11 by 17 piece of paper and, you know, three different colors of flares because I like to, you know. I, <laughs> hey, that's good. Yeah, that's you know, good. so it's yeah. where my brain works. Organized. So I, I basically put three lists together. Mm-hmm. One was, okay, here's everything. Mm-hmm. The second list was, here are the things that line up with my values that I've yeah. committed to. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is, and here's those things that I need to offload graciously. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I began setting appointments with people, mm-hmm. including two tomorrow, Mm. with people that I need to graciously say, I really would like to help you, Mm -hmm. but the best way I can help you right now is introduce you to someone else that can help you. Yeah, yeah. And I got to tell you, swallowing that pride is Mm. not fun. Mm -hmm. But you know, you have the foresight to see that ultimately they're they're not going to get the best of you or, you know, what you would typically offer in that situation. So it's better for everyone. Yeah. You know, it's a preventative sort of thing. I know in my case, being able to assign uh, some values Mm -hmm. really helps. Yeah. You know, if I can align with, like, I have a handful of values. It's not like mine are written in gold somewhere, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But but I have a handful of values that matter drastically to me. Mm -hmm. And one of them is I live my life best when I live it with margin. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, most so when these all, infringe in those margins, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 I I tend to just mess it up. Mm-hmm. So I would just say for people, if you feel like, okay, oh my gosh, I got to fulfill all this, maybe the best way to fulfill it is to graciously step away from it. Yeah, yeah. And we can do that, you know, by kind of identifying, okay, what are the things that I, I need to hand off? And then take the time to personally recharge yourself, right? Like a battery, right? I know we, both of us found out that we love Anne Lamott, this author. And she's so funny. She's so quirky. She is so hilarious. Have you ever seen her live? No. Okay. So I had the chance to meet her. She was speaking at a church in Decatur, Georgia. Yeah. Right. And um, one, I just think it's funny that Anne Lamott was speaking at a church in Decatur, Georgia, which I, I love it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I'm there early. Jenny and I are sitting there. And so we had the chance to meet her. She is as quirky as she writes. I love it. I just love her. Yeah. I love quirky people because they're just so honest. Yeah. But she says almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. So true. <laughs> right. So, so true. It's in this fast paced culture, I think we forget about seasons, yeah, right? Yeah. Everything has a season. That's biblical. Yeah. It's just as valuable to truly experience a season of rest as it is a season of work. Maybe more so. More so because that rest is the actual yeah. fuel that recharges yeah. us for a season of work. Absolutely. Um, I think it was Mark Twain who said, if you feel like you have no time to rest, that's the time to rest. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. My husband sent me that quote yesterday when that's I was so preparing this. But I think, you know, a lot of people find it hard to rest, especially when they're struggling, because it can be difficult to kind of sit alone with your thoughts when you've just been, Ooh, you yeah, know, yeah. kind of numbing them or anesthetizing them with yeah. busyness for so long, right? 
it can be kind of hard to sit and take a look at what's underneath there. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can feel like we're going backward yeah. when we do that, um, when we start addressing our own mental health needs, because we might be caring for wounds that may have been festering for a while, right? It can be painful to, to sit there. But I, again, using a visual, because I like to do that, I ask clients, what if this season of difficulty isn't a setback as much as it feels like, mm. but rather you're kind of being pulled back like an yeah. arrow, yeah, okay, right. giving you momentum to be mm. launched forward into mm. something even better than before. Really, when we do, when you, you know, when you have an infection, a wound that gets mm -hmm. infected, you got to clean it out yeah. for it to yeah. heal. So I think recharging will look different for each person, Chuck. It depends on, you know, for you, the length, location, content of how you do yeah. it. Um, but we do also become more reliant on God when Absolutely. we rest. Absolutely. Because we are living out the belief that he is in control and we're not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this before. It's an act of humility. To rest. hundred percent. And it's yep. also an act of cultural defiance at times. Yeah, it is. And if we're leaders, us resting really frees and emboldens the people we lead to do the same. Which might be one of the more powerful leadership constructs. Right. Is that to recognize the, the people that you lead or influence, however you want to look at it, they need to see that you need rest. Right. Yeah, because then they need, because then they can, they don't have to disown that part of themselves that needs rest. Yeah, right. 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 They can view you in your humanity and be able to honor their own humanity. Yeah. Well. So recognizing that overwhelm is something that we've probably all experienced at varying mm -hmm. levels. Right. I mean, one of the things that I know in my own, my own experiences, I tend to need geographical change mm -hmm. for me to fully feel like I'm going to recharge. Yeah. So if I'm at home, there's this pull to the computer. If I'm in oh, the yeah. office, there's there's compulsion to me. Laundry for me. I'm like, it's just sitting yeah. Oh, there. Yeah, I yeah, can't, yeah. I gotta yeah. do it. Or you're like, mine's the garage. It's like, okay, yeah. I need to go up and straighten the garage again, yeah. you know? But when I geographically locate, mm -hmm. I have the ability to set aside and recharge best. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think one of the things that can help us is if, you, if you're not one of those people that's ever built or designed a hobby, mm -hmm. go after that. Yeah. Like for me, yeah relocation in geography usually means a fishing pole in a river somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's, it's just, it's life-giving. Well, and research shows <laughs> 20 minutes in nature yeah. will lower your cortisol levels. Yeah. So why not take that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if we knew it was a prescription that would help, we would take that pill in a heartbeat. I tell my clients sometimes to write yourself a prescription or a permission note to rest. Sometimes even having yeah. that physical representation yeah, yeah. of it. You know, that's actually that's actually pretty helpful mm -hmm. because I have learned those things we actually physically handwrite yeah. have real power. Real power. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would I would just say that, but also just going outside to walk, mm -hmm. and it helps when I have headphones on. Mm -hmm. Sometimes not listening to anything, but just having the noise canceling. Yeah, yeah. Just to walk. Mm -hmm. um, I have discovered that. I, I can walk and chat with my dogs, like Kirby and Munson, and I'm pretty sure they're talking I back think, to me. I think we should like put a little put a little microphone on you and just just see what that conversation. I sound sounds a lot like, like Scooby Doo. <laughs> oh like when I'm talking to, to Kirby, <laughs> so you talk to them in dog language, not human language. Well, yeah. I mean, there are dogs. Duh, Julie, duh. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, like when they hear my sermons, they're the first ones that heard my mm -hmm. sermons, you know. Mm -hmm. I think it's really cool when they say, right, man? <laughs> oh, my God. 
I mean, wow. We, I don't even know what to say to that. Uh, oh, you don't Ray have Man, to. I should say Raymond. Yeah, Raymond. <laughs> but you have to say it like that. I can't. Okay, I didn't think you. <laughs> but don't be afraid of taking and experiencing the power of recharging. Yes. Whatever that is to you, if it's a book, you know. But Just I will tell you, you know, here's something that I, I've learned, Julie. There's a big difference in self-medicating and recharging. Right. Big You're not difference. trying to numb or anesthetize yeah. the pain. You're actually entering into the experience knowing that you can tolerate that discomfort to move through it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't want to bourbon your way through it, you know, because <laughs> no. it's still going to be there on the other it's side still of bourbon. Be there. Right? And you might it's have a headache. Gonna, yeah, or... and be worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, but all of us need to recharge, and finding what works for you is critical. Right. And then embracing what it is for you is critical. Mm -hmm. But talk to us a little bit about the difference in the sense of, okay, I'm anxious, I'm overwhelmed versus what is, what's the, what are the big telltale signs between that and like clinical depression? Yeah, I think this is a really important question because people will say, well, I'm feeling sad, but what's the difference between sadness and depression? Mm. Um, what's the difference between feeling nervous and clinical anxiety, yeah. right? Um, and there is a difference between being stressed and feeling sad and being circumstantially overwhelmed mm. and being clinically depressed. Yeah. Now, the latter requires all of the above. Like if you're clinically depressed, it requires these steps that we we talked about plus mental and physical health intervention, right. Yeah. right? So how do we know the difference? Stress, sadness, and overwhelm are experienced when our external circumstances pile mm. up, right? They pile right. up on us. And we feel like maybe we don't have the power or control to make these external things stop, okay? So we feel like everything is happening kind of to us, but we feel like ourselves on the inside yeah, still, yeah, okay? Yeah. But the external circumstances are overwhelming. That's overwhelm. Yeah. Clinical depression and anxiety are distinguishable because even how we classify them, we classify them as mood disorders. Mm. So they are affecting our mood. It means that we don't feel like ourselves on the inside in the midst of all the stress, sadness, and overwhelm that's kind of coming yeah, at us. Yeah. The way that I describe this um, to clients is like feeling a sunburn on the outside yeah. versus feeling a sunburn on the inside. Like Ooh. everything just feels like emotionally touchy, right? Like you yeah, just feel a little yeah. bit like you're not as solid and it yeah. feels like if anybody emotionally bumps up against you, mm. it feels like a sunburn, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think anyone who's experienced clinical depression or anxiety will kind of know what I'm talking mm. about with that. And if you do feel that way, it's important to maybe get assessed for some mental health support on yeah. top of the practical steps that we listed Absolutely. here. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because as we talk about a lot here on the podcast, we are multifaceted beings. So we yeah. have to care for our mind, our body, and our spirit. Absolutely. I... I, you know, I, I would add this one caveat over everything we've talked about, Julie, and that is, um, and I, I, I expressly want to throw this out there to our male listeners. Oftentimes, I think in like the American male, whatever, whatever we describe that to be, I mean, it's just like a whole host of crap. Persona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think for me, it is just don't allow Satan's voice to convince you that there is shame mm -hmm. in seeking help. Mm -hmm. I, 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 just, I have experienced firsthand, I would consider myself a pretty regular guy, you know, but the 
the strength it takes mm -hmm. to say, I'm going to actually speak to someone about what's going on mm -hmm. in my life mm -hmm. might be the strongest position of masculinity that you could ever take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's creative. You are creating, you are, yeah. you are co-creating with God a new future for yourself, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not yeah. just reactive to the world around you. And that's more of a passive stance, but taking action, yeah. that yeah. getting that support, you are taking action. You are walking that out. And that is a very, that's a, that's a strong trait. Yeah. To be like if you're that type A driver kind of male or female, mm -hmm. one of the first things you're going to think of is, you know, I can, I, I don't need this. Mm -hmm. And I would say, being one of you, you need this. <laughs> I am you. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, need, you this. need this because if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling confused, if you're feeling not quite right, mm -hmm. I love the sunburn analogy, mm -hmm. seeking therapy can be a way to start finding the answers that you can take action on. Yes. Right? Yes. That is how you are able to identify those action steps. I mean, you if you're stuck, one of the most powerful things you can do is take a step forward. And yeah. that's what seeking yeah. support is. Yeah. I think my big aha in in life, I mean, I mean, outside of just like my walk with Christ, the big aha was I don't know anybody on the planet that is not benefited at some season in their life. Right of having a healthy therapist in their life. Yes. And, you know, it could be just to help with the transition right. or it could be, you know, a stressor that's going on. It's just a sounding board, somebody who can yeah. help you not yeah. tell you what to do, but ask the right questions Absolutely. to help you figure it out. Which I think is part of why, um, part of why this podcast got started. You know, when we were building uh, or getting started with ClearPath Counseling, this, this, the genesis of this show was how could we help more people mm -hmm. and allow them to experience some of the fullness and the, 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 you know, just the pleasure mm -hmm. of owning our junk and then figuring out how do, how do we have somebody to help us work through it. Right, right. But this one word that I think is, you're going to touch on next is probably overwhelming good, which is flexibility. Yeah. What you, you always say, your other beatitude. Yeah. If, if I, if I were God, which we're all grateful I'm not. <laughs> if you were God. Like, I love a sentence that starts like that, right? You gotta love it. But I mean, we all know that's would not be a good idea, right? <laughs> it would be fun. For about 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I would have added one more to Jesus's Sermon on the Mount beatitudes, mm -hmm. you know, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be bent out of shape. Yes. You know? Yes. And we say in the counseling world, psychological flexibility is a sign of good mental health, which yeah. means you have the ability to pivot. Yeah. You have the ability to adapt, to take in new information and assimilate it in a way that makes sense to you and then change your course if you yeah. need to. Yeah. And so I think that that's important just to kind of finish up with today is that your path of, out of overwhelm mm -hmm. needs to be flexible. Absolutely. Right? It, yeah. Okay. So this is going to sound really weird, but there's this phrase that helps me mm -hmm. and it's kind of morbid a little bit, but not really. Okay. So <laughs> if people knew you, like I knew you, I, nothing about that shocks me. I'm not morbid. Well, I mean, mildly. <laughs> yeah, I do have kind of a dry sense of humor. So, no, it, it's like champagne dry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when I consider the plans that I've made, whether it's out of overwhelm or anything, really, I ask myself this champagne dry morbidly question, morbid <laughs> question. Is this plan 
written in pencil, pen, or blood. <laughs> okay, that's not morbid. That's actually really, really good. Well, the blood part's a little weird. Like, yeah, but you but, don't but, actually write it in but blood. The concept behind it yeah. is okay. Is if it's pencil. I can erase it. If it's pen, I can scratch through it. If it's blood, that's my life. It's a little different. So most things are written in pencil. Yep. Uh, They can be altered or modified as new information Mm -hmm. arises. The plans written in pen for me are usually surrounding my inner circle, my immediate family, my primary circle of friends, my community. The plans written in blood, metaphorically, mm-hmm. <laughs> are related to eternal things. Yeah, right. My spirituality, you know, personal health and well-being, you know, that kind of stuff that's connected to spirituality. So this simplifying process for me helps me pare down to the basics oh, and to good. be flexible yeah. to adjust as needed. Yeah. So I think when we're overwhelmed, Chuck, decisions feel massive. Right. We have what we call decision fatigue. That's absolutely true. But sometimes it's important to step back, validate that, yes, certain things may be important, but they aren't necessarily eternal. That's right. I remember when I was extremely stressed out about moving and I was trying to figure out which house to get and all this stuff. And a friend said to me, yeah, that's a really stressful situation. And it's really important. It's a really important decision, but it's not an eternal one. Right. 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 And I think really being able to give that perspective helps us prioritized a little bit better. Absolutely. I like the idea. I mean, the the pen, pencil, blood thing is what I like about it. It it really does help us separate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is is that worthy of all of that mental energy? Right. Is it worth that sideways emotional energy? Right. And that allows us, like my 11 by 17 markers, just to be able to say, you know, I can set that one aside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... I trust that today has been beneficial and helpful for you. And uh, always feel free to shoot us a note. You can do that by way of our Instagram or Facebook page, which is just at Positive Talk Podcast. Even on our website, PositiveTalkPodcast.com, there's a place for you to click and leave us a message or maybe just let us know something you'd like for us to talk about in the future. Mm -hmm. But I knew that this topic had gotten close to home. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what a great time to unpack mm-hmm. a little bit of that. So thanks for all of your wisdom, as usual, Julie, in unpacking where we go to work our way through overwhelm. And, you know, here at the Positive Talk podcast, the thing that I think does make this a very unique conversation is the ability to merge faith and psychology, mm-hmm. believing that together we really can, when we take these things and don't let them be at odds with each other in our own in our own soul right. and our own mind, it allows us to live a more peace-filled and purposeful life. Mm-hmm. So we'll be back next week. And Julie is actually flying solo in next week's episode. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to have to, my son always says, mom, if you're going to fly solo, you need to up your comedic timing. So Boom. I don't know how I'm going to do this without you, Chuck, but it's good content. So it'll carry. I, I knew, I, I have no idea. I, I mean, it'll be great content. <laughs> yeah, you're, I'm excited I mean, about you're it. the brains of this outfit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, I mean, if you think about it, all I basically do on this thing is just reply to some unbelievable brilliance you brought to the party. No, I don't, I think that you, I mean, that's a pretty good role. (laughs) I mean, I feel kind of like if you're Johnny Carson, I'm whoever the second guy was. All right. Not my generation. Okay. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. So if you're Jimmy Fallon, (laughs) what does that make me? What is that guy's name? I don't know. The the... is that Guillermo. Is that the guy's name? (laughs) Am I Guillermo? You're not Guillermo. I kind of like that name, though. Well, I'll call you that. From I would be an check. awesome Guillermo. 
<laughs> so thanks, you guys, for listening to the Positive Talk podcast. Not really sure how that got off the rails there, but Julie, and you're Guillermo. awesome. And by we'll the way, back. thanks for coming to my rescue in the midst of my overwhelm. Well, I am just so grateful that you live out what you are sharing here on the podcast. Thanks. So uh, we're going to see you next week. Actually, Julie will talk to you next week. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want you to pay close attention to next week's show because as she flies solo, I promise you, you're going to get a, a ton of brilliance and you'll enjoy it. Don't forget to join us for seasons one, two, three, and season four on our uh, website at positivetalkpodcast.com. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you for joining the conversation on this week's Positive Talk Podcast. You can always find seasons one through three on our website at positivetalkpodcast.com. If Julie and Chuck shared something that inspired or encouraged you, please share this episode with friends, family, and your social media platforms. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Positive Talk Podcast. As always, thanks for joining us and go in peace.